Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy October, everyone. We have made it to the last month of the season and the last weekend of the regular season. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you from the Mass and Newsroom live on YouTube and the Mass and Nationals Facebook page. Hopefully you're tuning in live and commenting along. We love having you part of the conversation. And if not, you're checking us out after the fact for our last regular season podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Amy, there's a lot of baseball we need to talk to, mm-hmm. of talk about. Just to wrap up the regular season, uh, we're going to discuss, uh, hand out some individual awards for the Nationals this season at the end of the uh, uh, end of the show. Talk about the Nationals' uh, last series of the weekend of the season, I guess, against the Red Sox and how they have a major effect on the American League mm-hmm. playoff situation. But first, I'm wearing black. We have a big game tonight as University of Maryland alums, Maryland versus number five Iowa. Friday night lights, blackout. You came in fired up. I'm pumped up. Before we We're get excited. to the baseball talk, how are you feeling about football tonight? Um, I'm excited. I don't know how confident I'm feeling about um, our Terps in this game, but you never know. You never it's a know. big, big... Um big stage for our Terps tonight and we're excited we should have taken this podcast on the road it's a lot one we could have uh drank some adult beverages adult beverages um and and talked about baseball but it's exciting I think hopefully it's a good game hopefully it's a really good crowd they have the new video board up yeah I saw that and Uh, working to see that hopefully this week so that'll be exciting big game yeah I'm pumped just don't be what happened the last time we did a Friday night blackout against Penn State two years ago and lost by 50 points and got shut out yeah just be just hey to me you score, that's a win. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, we have a better quarterback. we're already ahead. There's a better quarterback now uh, in uh, Little Tua, uh, Talia Tagavailoa. So um, that should help us for sure. Um, I'm. This is my first game of the season. Obviously, we, we've been working a lot covering the end of the baseball season. I've been away. So I'm excited to have some fun tonight, enjoy some live football. My first live football event since COVID, which is I'm, I'm oh, excited yeah. for. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, everyone who's going out, you know, Good luck. Have fun. Be smart. Be safe. But um, let's show the nation that, you know, College Park is the spring break capital of the world. There we, that's good. There we go. And then we can go to Bentz. <laughs> there we can go to Bentz. You're not going to get into Bentleys. My friends wanted to go. You're not going to get into Bentleys. No. Only only people who are going to get the, into Bentleys is Scott Van Pelt. Yeah, you're right. He has the table reserved. He's going to be in there, and he's going to be there all night. One day we'll be legends like that, Bobby. Yeah. One um, day. We'll, once we get this podcast taken off, for sure, <laughs> uh, we'll be able to rec- save our spot at Bentley's. All right, baseball talk. Um, let's talk about the N- American League. I mean, I don't know the last time Nats fans might have been this focused on American League baseball um, because, you know, 30 teams in, in Major League Baseball, that means that there has to be one interleague matchup uh, during the last weekend of the series of the season, I keep saying that, um, and for the second time in three years, it's the Nationals. Uh, not 2019, they finished against the mm-hmm. Indians. Now they're going to finish against the Red Sox. The Red Sox are right in the thick of the Nat- American League wild card race. There's four teams standing. There's a possibility of a four way tie. There's an even stronger possibility of a three way tie. Jeez. It, this is, I mean, the Nationals aren't going to make the postseason. We know that. We've known that for a while, but. 
the fact that they are playing a meaningful game for someone and that how we talked about how scrappy they've been all season long. It, it could be in for an exciting weekend yeah. of baseball on South Capitol Street. It's crazy that we're we're talking about a national series here and we're talking about playoffs. Yeah. Um. So it's it, and it's crazy how these teams, some of the worst team. I mean, the Red Sox played the Orioles yep. this week, and now they're going to finish out the season with the Nationals. It's kind of crazy that two of worst teams in baseball right now have such a big influence on the postseason so it's exciting it's definitely something for nationals fans to look out for especially if you have a particular hate for the yankees or the red sox which a lot of teams do yeah and and people were (laughs) saying that the red sox were just going to walk to the postseason because like you said they finished with the orioles who are fighting for the number one overall pick next year they're finishing against the nationals who are fighting to not finish last place in the nles for the second straight year they Red Sox just lost two of three in Baltimore, so they are not like coming in hot to DC. Right. I mean, they need to win these games, but they're not playing their best at probably the worst time. They do have quite an advantage. Let's set the stage right now. Let's look at the National American League Wild Card standings. The Yankees have a two-game lead in the number one Wild Card spot. Boston is two games behind them, tied with them. Are the Seattle Mariners? I know a lot of people want to see the Mariners back in the postseason for the first time since 2001. Toronto is one game back, and the Oakland Athletics were eliminated on Wednesday night. So only four teams remaining in New York, Boston, Seattle, and Toronto. Like we said, Boston has three games in D.C. New York has three games at home against the Rays. The Rays have nothing to play for. They have locked up the number one overall seed in the American League. They'll have home field advantage throughout the American League playoffs. Uh, uh, Seattle hosts the Angels, who are a a sub-500 team, um, and obviously have a lot of injuries and pitching issues. And Toronto hosts the previously mentioned Orioles at home up in Toronto at Rogers Center. So, you know, if you're looking at this, on paper, the Yankees have the toughest schedule, but they also have the biggest advantage. They have two game. They have a two game lead. They're probably they basically need to win one game, and they're in this weekend. Um, and the like I said, race has nothing to play for. They do have obviously a lot of depth on that team, a lot of talent. You know, they're about to win 100 games, so it's not going to be a cakewalk. But you know, Seattle playing the Angels at home, Boston's the only team of those four on the road. Right. And they're playing a scrappy Nationals team. If I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm a little nervous. Right. I mean, yeah, you're. it's never good when a team like the Nationals could kind of decide your fate uh, to a certain extent. The Yankees are in the position where they need to win. It's not going to be super easy. They have Toronto, and they just had Toronto, and now they have Tampa to finish out the season. Not going to be super easy, but it's a lot better to be in the position where you kind of just have – to win to make it um whereas boston you're a little bit worried especially how they played two out of three games this week the mariners are 10 and 6 against the angels this season the blue jays are 11 and 5 against the orioles this season so both of those teams have had success against their opponents for this uh, upcoming weekend Uh, i don't think the red sox and nats have played yet this season i don't remember how they finished last year um, and like I said, Rays have nothing to play for. We probably won't see too many starters playing too many innings this, over the course right. of the weekend. So, and I, and I think the Yankees just need to win one game. I'll break it down a little bit more. But first off, let's just talk about the, the tying scenarios and how this will play this out. Cr- yeah, you break, Bobby, he had a, a beautiful breakdown on Twitter. Oh, when was it, you. yesterday? It was yesterday afternoon. I was very impressed. That's so, what I do when I'm bored on an off day. The Nationals right. are off day, and, and I just look at standings. It, like, and makes make my numbers. head scratch. Yeah, a couple, do some math. Um it's always fun when you do all that work and then you look at it, you review it this morning and realize you made one small mistake. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. No. But I won't point it out. If you know what it is, you know what it is and we don't have to talk about it. Um, all right. So the way that the tiebreakers are going to work, and Jeff Passan has also tweeted this out too um, for ESPN, 
So if two teams are tied for the wild card, it's pretty simple. Um, whoever owns the head-to-head record will then host the wild card game. There's no extra game to be played. They will just play the American League wild card game on Tuesday night, um, and whoever has the head-to-head record. Uh, will host it, and that favors actually the Red Sox. They have won the head-to-head record against the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and Seattle this week or this year. So if they end up in a first-place tie with anybody, they're going to host the wild card game as long as it's a two-way tie. Then next tiebreaker will be Toronto. Toronto won the season series over the Yankees and the Mariners, and actually the Mariners won five to two over the Yankees this year. So if the Yankees end up tying with anybody. They're pretty much screwed because they didn't win a single season series against any of these teams. So the Yankees, like I said, they need to win at least one, maybe two games to secure that number one wild card spot in order to host a game on uh, Tuesday night. That's if two teams are tied for the wild card spot. If three teams are tied, it gets a little more fun. All right. So in the case of a three-way tie, teams would be based, be designated A, B, or C. It's a little, it's a little complicated, but but follow me here. Uh, and then head-to-head records would dictate how you choose that. So let's first of all talk about the games. ABC, Club A would host Club B for one game. That probably would be, I'm guessing, Monday. Or maybe, I don't know how you do that with the wild card Tuesday, game Tuesday. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe they pushed be. the wild card game back to Wednesday. Um, so Club A would host probably Club B for Monday. one game. The winner gets the number one wild card spot. So they automatically advance to the wild card game, right? Club C would then host the loser of the first game between A and B. Got it? Okay. The winner of that game would then be the second wild card spot. Right. And then A, B, and C designations are determined by the head-to-head record, and the teams get to pick which one. So it's basically a, a draft order. Got it. So whoever has the best head-to-head record, in this you case pick. the Red Sox, will get to pick which one they want. Whoever has the next best head-to-head record, which in the case would be the Blue Jays, um, would pick and if it's Seattle, it'll be Seattle. The Yankees again are screwed if 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 they're because they will not get the pick. They will get whatever's left over. So you would think if it comes to that, let's let's just for example say let's just because it's easier. They're in the same division. Let's just say it's Boston, Toronto, and New York. You would think the Red Sox would pick Club A, right? You would get a home game and you would get at least two chances at it. Right. If you lose that game, you play. You get to play a second game to get back into the wild card. That's probably the That's idea. That's the best. Sure. Yeah, they'd pick that. So then who would the Blue Jays pick? Because if you pick B, if you lose the first game, you're going back on the road. Would you rather have two chances at winning or would you rather ensure you have a home game? Because the Club B does not get a home game, assuming, assuming they don't win the first game. huge difference when it comes down to... Club B. So if, if, Toronto's, so if, if it's Red Sox A, Blue Jays B, Yankees C, right... Right. So the first game would be Blue Jays at Red Sox. Red Sox win that game. They're the number one wild card. Blue Jays would then go to New York and play at Yankee Stadium. So you're playing, if you're the B team, you don't you, want get, that. you get two games, but right. they would both be on the road if you don't win the first one. I mean, obviously you like your odds when you have two chances. That's a tough. Would you rather that play at Fenway and Yankee Stadium or <laughs> take the risk and play one game at home at Rogers Center? I, I think I would take my chances and play and play at home at home. No, no, no. Play two games. I don't think I would play two games. It's just better odds. I mean, who, yeah, you're good. You, look what I, the nationals you, just did in 2019 home field advantage. doesn't mean nothing. You take, you take your chance. You take your, 
The odds. The odds. Yeah, the higher odds yeah. of playing two games. Yeah. And, you know, the head-to-heads have been close. Boston and Toronto went 10-9 to this season. Toronto and New York went 11-8. and um, Boston and New York went 10-9. and yeah. So it's like you I, I didn't – You want to play as many games as you can. Right. I didn't it's, dive too deep on who too. won yeah. on the road versus at home, but Yankee especially Stadium in division – and, and, yeah. and Fenway are two places you don't want to be playing for your postseason chances. Yeah. And if they're division opponents, you're used to playing in those stadiums anyway. Well, that's true. If yeah. you have to go to Seattle, though, maybe you want. I think yeah, you're. I you think don't want to travel across the country and then travel back and play two games in yeah. two. You know, maybe you'll say, say, you know what, I'll take it. I'll take the one game. Right, and you you say you know you're trusting your team, but you could say that both ways. Like you're trusting your team to win a game at home, mm-hmm. or you know you, you like your odds. You trust they can. They're professional baseball players. They can play either of those places. It's just obviously not ideal. I don't know. That's complicated. It's complicated. That's tough. If it comes down to that, that's going to be crazy. We don't have to. We don't get paid the big bucks to make those calls. Yeah, but I don't want to be and the I'm GM, the GM or manager. I guess the GM and manager make that call, right? Because then you look dumb. You take that game at home, you lose. Yeah, it's you look like, stupid. When yeah, you could oh, have had two opportunities, you look dumb. It's a damned if you do, damned if right. you don't. At least if you play two games, you're like, well, we you took had, our best chances. Yeah, you had two shots at yeah. it. That's true. Yeah, I think I, 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 would, I would take that too. It's just interesting. And, no, you know, it is. I mean, it's a guts. What if, and you but, don't see it. So how 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 badass would it be if you said, nope, we're doing the one game at home, and then win. you win by a lot, and you're like, told you, we, yeah. we need our home ground. That's all we need. <laughs> Woo. And then there's still the wild card game to play after that. Um, and then just for fun, I think there's a small, small, small chance. I think the three-way tie, according to Jeff Passan, has like a 4% chance of happening. So I'm guessing a four-way tie has an even less chance yeah. of happening. But – in that instance, I have not seen an actual definition of how this will work, but my guess would be it would be the same idea, A, B, C, D designations, which would probably assume here's the only the thing. whole picking you, thing is and they weird. Would, yeah, and they would play head to head, so it would be two head to head matchups. Winners go, winners advance. Yeah. But I guess the only thing would be your designation. So say that's I mean, sim- more simple when you. But, but, it, but like, it gets down to, like, okay, so say the Red Sox take A, you get a home field game. Um, the Blue Jays take B, you get a home field game. Now you're Seattle, say you're, you're C. Do you take – then you get to pick your opponent, essentially. Would you rather go to Boston or would you rather go to – because you, if you – I, I, my guess you know? Would, so you know where I don't going. know, but my that guess does, it would be, like, A versus D, B versus right. C. Or like, I'm I sure you imagine, would know the matchup. I can't imagine you're picking who you're playing, though. I think you would be. I would think it would be known who is traveling where, like is it, if it's A versus C or A versus D. C, whatever it may be. I would assume because then, I mean, what's the then what's the point of then it's just all right who your top two teams you get home field and then we'll just do yeah, a but random shuffle. Like quite literally, never you get to pick where you play, except in this situation. I feel I like guess. there's an instance where you can pick your. Or there's been you can pick your opponent. I can't think of a top of my head, but. It's just interesting. I, again, I did yeah. not find a clear definition of how that would work in case of a four-way tie, but it would be two head-to-head matchups. Winners go on to the to wild card. That's game. crazy. So we could have be in, in for. Oh, like, this from, is gonna get really crazy. Really here. crazy <laughs> from here on through. I mean, through October, really. Right. It's just gonna have wild baseball. Yeah, but then I want they'll have to push back the wild card because the season ends Sunday. Right. Well, I mean, there's the off day Monday. So if it's a right. three-way tie, they would have to push it back. There, there's you, no way they turn around and no, you can't play do double. Monday. You can't do a doubleheader on the road Obviously. one day, and then you can, yeah. So With it would be yeah. 
you get two wild card games on Wednesday. And then I guess that would also push back. I mean, unless I guess you can't push back the American League Division Series. They would have to travel again the next day and start game one at Tampa Bay. Baseball's crazy these days, though. I feel like this is going to happen or something. I really (laughs) hope. I mean, it's it's I'm sure it's very stressful for fans and for the teams. Yeah. I as you know, fan of the Nationals and they can just sit back and covering the Nationals. Have we have we have I mean, soon as Sunday's over, it is the off season. We can just sit back and watch baseball for the fun of it and not worry about travel arrangements, booking yeah. flights, hotels. Where are they going? Are they going here or there? That was are the they? most I mean, there's a lot of stressful things about the 2019 postseason, mm-hmm. but Trying to figure out where to go after the wild card, card. game. I mean, you knew you were right. going to L.A., but from there, if they won game five to Atlanta or St. Louis, Louis. then St. Louis won, so then you had to book flights, but you weren't sure if they are going to win. It was just the yeah. whole thing. So I do not envy um, our fellow reporters who are covering yeah. these teams but it's, for it's the next week fun. or so, for it the next month still, or so. But it's it is still fun. covering postseason baseball. It's fun. Yeah. Do you have a prediction? If, uh, on By the end of Sunday night, do you have a prediction of what will happen? We'll make our actual like postseason once the bracket is f- complete. We'll make our own full bracket predictions um, on the pod. But do you have a I prediction of how the regular season is going to end? I can't. You can't. No. I think the Yankees pull it out. They they won last night and the Red Sox I'll, lost. I'll get so, my dad will say you just jinxed. <laughs> okay, well I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Jennings. Hey, my grandfather's a Yankees fans too, so okay. hopefully he's not listening and thinks I'm jinxing them. Grandpa, I I think the Yankees with a two game lead. They they need just to win one game against a raised team that's not going to be trying. I think that's the one game they get. They're going to be in the wild card game at least. We know that for sure. Um, and I, I, I would think they pull out at least two this weekend. Yeah, the thing is, I think if the Rays were playing a different team, it would be, like you mentioned, resting guys and stuff like that. You, you hope that they do. But seeing as that they're playing the Yankees, I think it's going to be a little bit different if they were playing an out-of-league game kind of like – these other two teams were are you know what yeah. I mean? So I think it and kind of like you said, it's not there. It's not going to be any easy win for the Yankees. Oh no! And and like I said too, like it's not just an any other team that's not trying and, and not playing their starters. Exactly. Yep. The Rays have what's it now? Twenty eight players with twenty eight players top to bottom who can play major right. league baseball. They are a very deep organization and major league team. Right. They have guys that can play. So it's not going to be a walk in Even central park for, for the Yankees. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it's not going to be easy, but with the Yankees playing their full starters, All I right. think that's your prediction. You think the Yankees, yeah, I think the Yankees pull, pull it out. out. No tying. I want to give the nationals credit. I think the nationals can be huge spoilers this weekend. I think they can at least so make, make the Red Sox sweat. Rogers, Rogers, Gray, Gray questionable oh, TB announced. Espino, My guess is going to be a combination of Espino and Fetty out of the bullpen following him um, because Fetty only pitched like 20 pitches the other night. Espino only threw 36 in that rain-delayed game in Colorado. Fetty is already on extra rest, so you can he can kind of treat, was it Wednesday's game, as like a bullpen session and then get to Sunday. Also, the last game of the season, I mean – he can kind of empty the tank. It's not like he has full days off. So my guess is going to be Espino opening, opening for a couple of yeah. innings. Fetty follows him, and then you get into the bullpen for the last game of the season. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Roy Howard said Mariners. <laughs> let's go Mariners. I mean, there's a lot Mariners. Mariners Twitter is hilarious. Uh, They're everywhere. It's funny, it's good right now. It's good. it's so good. And I would love to see the Mariners make the playoffs for the at least like. Make it a tie or something. Right. Like, you know, give them make a chance. It interesting, yeah. Right? I mean, good for them. For a team that everyone thought was going to finish near the bottom 
and be picking in the top 10 again. Good for that. I mean, one of the best right. stories in the league this year. Um, so I think the Yankees pull it out. I think the Nationals make the Red Sox sweat. Otani is not pitching for the Angels this weekend. He's only batting, which is still dangerous, but I don't know who else the supporting cast the Angels have. I think that was – what's the Mariner Stadium? Safeco Field? No, that mm-hmm. sounds wrong. I think Seattle's going to be bumping. I think they're going to be pushing hard. I can see Seattle making the Red Sox sweat too. And I think there's a good chance the Blue Jays like do sweep the Orioles or at least win two. It might not be enough because they are – the odd man out with like being a couple games back. Okay, T-Mobile Park. T-Mobile Park. I didn't know that. Um, so, I'm my guess is going to be just for the fun of it, and just because the Nationals are playing the Red Sox, let's go Yankees Mariners. Okay, okay. It's it's. I think that's a. I think they're that's tied. A good prediction. They're tied, right? They're right. at the top. I mean, it's they're head to head. Mariners win two. Red Sox lose two. Mariners are in. I think that's a really good prediction. Where are all the Seattle fans? Right. They got to be huge Nationals fans this right. weekend. Yeah, let's bring it. I think I think it, I think the Nationals. I think they'll win too. Scrappy team. Juan At S- least one, but I think they can win. Juan too. Soto's not going to see a single pitch this weekend. <laughs> right? No, he's not. But um, not to mention, he's going for the batting title right now. So it's and MVP like, and MVP making a huge push for MVP now. So that makes it all the more interesting. He's certainly not going to lay off this weekend. Yep. So. All right, so just to recap, three games, Red Sox at Nationals Park, Yankees hosting Rays, Seattle hosting the Angels, and the Blue Jays hosting the Orioles. That's all the baseball you need to watch out and keep an eye on this weekend. It's going to make for exciting. Who knew that the Nationals were going to play such a big factor in the American League to end the season, but here they are. Um, Should be fun baseball on National. And, you know, who doesn't want to knock the Red Sox out of the postseason? I did see some fans say that, no, we should let Schwarber get in. Oh. No, like, it's okay. Like Kyle Schwarber, he was here for seven months. Yeah. He's not like he was here for seven no. years. We're and not talking about Trey Turner. Like, right. Well, even then, it's kind of different. But If it was Trey Turner, I would feel a little more or about Or maybe it. Trey Turner, like, let's say Nationals, he didn't get a win the World Series. You know, it'd be like his first yeah. play. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the Nationals yeah. never got there. He gets traded, and, you know, he makes it, and you're excited for him. Type I, of situation. I guess my point more is, like, hey, I, I love the loyalty and the support Nationals fans give their players. Anyone who dons the curly W, good for you guys. I'm the same way. But Kyle Schwarber was here for seven months. Yeah, it's And different. he played really it's well. Different. He played really well, but he was only here for seven months. Yeah. We got a couple players back from him for him. Best of luck to you. Yeah. Yeah, Don't want the Red Sox series. winning. He can just have a good series this weekend. A little like mini homecoming or something. I d- the ideal, yeah, exactly. <laughs> ideal scenario: Kyle Schwarber goes twelve for twelve with twelve home runs and over the weekend and forty-eight <laughs> RBIs, and the Red Sox lose all three games. Yeah, there we go. All <laughs> there right, we go. that's it. All right. Well, you mentioned awards. We did want to hand out a couple of end of season awards uh, with only three games left in the regular season. I think next week we'll kind of preview the postseason at large and also kind of preview the Nationals off season at some important dates and stuff like that. But we want to hand out some awards. The Nationals. Earlier today, we are live on Facebook and YouTube, by the way. Earlier today, announced their um, team awards. Juan Soto was named uh, the player of the year. Kyle Finnegan was named pitcher of the year. And the good guy uh, um, was awarded to Josh Bell, as voted on by the D.C. media. I had Bell. No, excuse me. I had Soto and Finnegan on my ballot. I had Apollo Espino as the good guy. But obviously, Josh Bell deserved that award well. All the things he did in the community. Um, his availability to the media after tough games, even when he was slumping earlier in the season, um, very deserving of that award. Um, so, do you, how how was your, what did your ballot look like? 
Where? Let's start. Would you want? How do we want to do it? Go down. Well, let's just start with just the three that guys. the Nationals just did a just did an award, and then we've we've got a couple of extras that we can add so, in. So Soto and Finnegan mm-hmm. would be mine, and then my good guy award would go to Alex Avila. Oh, uh, Josh that's a Bell good one. would be a close second, but I just think Alex Avila, with you know, kind of how he stepped up, he got ended up being out a whole month because he was playing a position he had never played before in his last season of his career. Um, and, and now he's stepping up and mentoring these young catchers and has plans to get back in baseball, you know, because he's enjoying me- mentoring these these young guys. So th- that goes to mind. But, of course, Juan Soto obviously has to be player of the year, my MVP. Yeah. Um, and Kyle Finnegan, definitely the best pitcher. It was a tough year for pitching for the Nationals, <laughs> as we have documented well on the pod. Um, and Kyle Finnegan, even I think like we talked about a couple weeks ago, like some he's been good consistently. And so when he does slip up, mm-hmm. it's like magnified a lot. The blown saves he's had over the past couple months. Um, but don't forget, I mean, this is the most innings he's ever pitched in his career. Right. And he's the only uh, pitcher, pitcher period with the um, pr- appropriate amount of appearances with an ERA under, I think it's like 370. Yeah. I think he's at like 340 or something. Um, so, yeah, he deserved that as well. Um, I really like the Avila pick. Um, that's a good call. Um, you, you, people forget that he's been out for so long, from beginning mm-hmm. of July to just a couple of weeks ago, that he's been such a major pe- role on this team as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was always available to the media too, even after tough games when he was playing. So that's a good call too. But Josh Bell, very deserving as well. Um, you know, the Nationals got a good one. Looking forward to a strong start to the season next year um, for Josh Bell. Um, all right, let's break it down a little bit further. Let's go to best starting pitcher. Obviously, Finnegan, we awarded Finnegan the best overall pitcher, but let's go to the uh, the rotation. Who? It, it was a tough year for a team that prides itself on its starting pitcher. Who would you have as the best starting pitcher? This was really kind of tough, and Bobby and I were talking about this, I think, before our last podcast or something. Mm-hmm. We were like, best pitcher, Kyle Finnegan, but if you have to go with the starter, it kind of makes it a lot more difficult. I think it comes down to – uh, Paulo Espino and Eric Fetty in my eyes. Um, I think really the only difference then, if you get into their stats, is that Eric Fetty's FIP is almost a whole run lower than his ERA or his fielding independent pitching, where Paulo Espino's is higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in 10 more starts. Fetty had 10 more starts than Paulo Espino this year. So really, if you kind of look at their starts and look at the quality of their starts, it's not too far off. Uh, that's kind of really the only thing that really is a distinguishing factor between those two. Maybe Eric Fetty pitched in some more difficult games or in some bad luck with the defense behind him because we know that's been a little bit questionable for the Nationals this year. Yeah. Um, who? So I, I would go with Eric Fetty. Yeah. Also, just a, a qualifier that I forgot to mention at the top of this conversation, we are only naming players who are currently on the 40-man roster. So – Obviously, it probably would have been Max Scherzer, yeah. but well, no yeah. longer here. So you have to be currently on the 40-man roster as of October 1st, 2021 to be qualified for these awards. Um, I agree. I, I have Paulo Espino, too. Look, I mean, this is a guy that you know came in last year, pitched a couple of good innings. People were like, where did this guy come from? And now mm-hmm. coming into this year, Nationals gave him another chance. He was very grateful after his last start about the opportunity he has here in D.C. And... Pitched to a 4.50 ERA. That doesn't jump off the page. But when you look at some of these other ERAs, he's the second yeah. best behind Joe Ross. Right. Still left on the roster. And Ross has been hurt for half the season. And not to mention, I mean, I know we're talking about starter, but Paulo Espino also 
attributed out of the bullpen too at times. I mean, he was probably runner-up for best pitcher um, overall, I, I would assume, because of, you know, he was a Swiss Army knife. Right. David well, Martinez called him exactly. the, his secret weapon. Nobody saw it coming. No. And he was such a pleasant surprise at the beginning. He made a couple really good starts at the beginning. Obviously, then kind of, it fell off a little bit. Uh, he wasn't as lucky, but you're absolutely right about that. And, you know, you mentioned him. You have him for your good good guy award. He was a huge veteran influence, mm-hmm. Davey Martinez was saying, off the field as well. He's such a nice guy, too. I mean, right. he was just so easy to talk to. Um, I also kind of want to give a shout-out to Joe Ross. Again, another season cut short due to injury. 402 ERA. I mean, this was really the f- – no, not really. It was the first season – um, that we've seen from Joe Ross since his Tommy John surgery. And he was able to make 19 starts. He got he got hurt, but he was on his way to making about 30 starts. 402 ERA, that is worth it. Um, that was a pretty decent comeback. Ups and downs. I mean, he had some really good outings, and he had some really tough outings, especially early on the season. Remember, early on the season, he was the best pitcher. He, I mean, even at times, a little better than Max Scherzer. Was while Max was trying to get his footing for, at the start of the regular season, Joe Ross came out firing. I think had like three scoreless outings to start the year. So we were like, "This is the Joe Ross we were hoping to see." Um, so I, 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 he's not because he's been hurt and he's missing the regular season. I, I you know, the best ability is availability. Um, I. I can't give him the award, but he does deserve recognition for what he did this season a year uh, or no, two years, I guess, removed from recovering from Tommy John. Yep. And this is, I mean, we've been waiting for it and waiting for it and Mm -hmm. waiting for it. And you just want to see him be able to stay healthy. And I think Joe Ross, I mean, next year starting pitching is not, is going to be an issue again. I mean, you're kind of hoping and praying that Patrick Corbin Finally gets it together. Obviously, his last start was one of his best, um, and he kind of finished the season on a high note, but you're hoping he has a bounce-back year. Steven Strasburg is finally able to stay healthy, and then I think Joe Ross is going to be a huge part of this little potion, um, and you kind of hope it all works out, but staying healthy is going to be super important for him. But in his outings this year, especially towards the beginning of the season, like you mentioned, you saw what you've been waiting for out of Joe Ross. Yeah. Um, all right, moving to the bullpen. We already talked about Kyle Finnegan. Any other shout-outs you want to give from guys <clears throat> from the bullpen? <laughs> that's a that's a no. <laughs> um, it, it's it's going to be a no for me. I mean, he's the only one in this bullpen that has an ERA over 350. Um, obviously has the most saves, the most innings out of this bullpen. Uh, and, you know, Kyle Finnegan went from a kind of let's see – this year to their default closer. Um, but outside of him, I mean, this is a bullpen that's tied for third in the most blown saves, has the third highest ERA in baseball. Um, not looking so good. So, But you, you have a bright spot. I can, I can tell you're of. Uh, my, I, really? I have two. I, and it's uh, two and a half, let's call it. I, they're stretches for sure. Kyle Finnegan, like you said, was the best pitcher. There's not a lot of bright spots, but if we want to nitpick and we, we yeah we're gonna finish it on the high note. Come finish on, on the high bring note. Bring it in. Bring it in. Positivity. <laughs> Let's go Terps. Let's go Nats. Um, <laughs> Kyle Paul Espino, like I mentioned, just his availability oh, yeah. to do whatever was asked of him. He had a 3.42 ERA in 16 appearances out of the bullpen. That's not a lot of appearances because the Nationals needed him in the rotation. Right. Um, but when he was called upon in 23 and two third innings out of the pen. He performed really well. Um, and then I also slide down. There also aren't a lot of guys with 
like the appropriate qualify amount of yeah innings, to qualify sir. the innings, the, the appearances. Um, I want to give a shout out to Mason Thompson. Uh, he surprisingly has 26 appearances already since coming over at the deadline. 374 ERA that already ranks fifth in this Nationals bullpen, which is pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, actually, you, let's call it third because first is Sean Nolan, who only has four appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, so or fourth, I should say, and then Ryan Harper. Look, we, we can laugh at Ryan Harper. What he his ERA is what it is because he wasn't put in high leverage situations. That being said, he still got the job done, even though they weren't high leverage situations. He got outs. That's what you ask for in a reliever. Right. Now, when he was put in high leverage situations, he struggled. That's not his MO, okay? That's not what he does. He still, when he was asked to do his job, which was pitch and out of low leverage situations, he did. And, yeah, not to make excuses for these guys, but really they are being thrown into situations that they are not set up to be yeah. pitching in. I mean, Kyle Finnegan, yeah, he, he pro- produced pretty well given the circumstances, but he – in theory, should not be the closer of this team or was not, that was not the plan. Like you mentioned, guys like Ryan Harper are being put into high leverage situations that they're not supposed to be in. So all things considered is it's not really an excuse for these guys, but there's a lot of guys in these bullpen that wouldn't be there otherwise because of injuries or trades and yada, yada, yada. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of goes back to the overall issues with the pen and that mm-hmm. it wasn't good overall. And which led to a lot of guys pitching out of place, which then led to even worse results. So that's a good point to keep in mind, too, when talking about the relievers. But it's Kyle Finnegan. It's his his award. Uh, he deserved it. Um, looking forward to what he can bring next year. Hopefully a balance back year from Tanner Rainey, too. And mm-hmm. if, if Kyle Finnegan and Tanner Rainey are your one-two punch at the back end, that's hopefully a good thing for the Nationals. Um, defensive player of the year. Base, essentially gold glove, let's call it. Um, I have an interesting one. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm, I don't know. Maybe it's not interesting. Maybe it's maybe it's a very obvious. I'm going Alcides Escobar at shortstop. Per Fangraphs, he has the highest defensive rating on the active roster. Okay. Um, he I think is top two in um, uh, uh, defensive run saved um, at shortstop. Playing obviously a high leverage situation. This is a guy that was in the minor league system in in, in Kansas City and then came over. And then as soon as Trey Turner was traded off, became the everyday shortstop. Uh, he played some second base, of course, when Trey was still here. We talked – I mean, we, when, when the Nationals made this trade and we were breaking down Alcides Escobar, we said, look, he's got an average, if not slightly above average, glove. I mean, he – at the very right. least, he'll give you solid defense, and that's what he gave them. I mean, it's tough to find really strong defense out there when you no longer have Trey Turner, who would have probably easily been – the defensive player of the year. Yeah, I think I think that's a I like that pick. Thank and you. those defensive numbers kind of surprised me. Um and I think that's just because when you're watching the Nationals, I mean, he's made some just the other day made a really nice play um at shortstop, but then I'll make these errors and it's kind of, you know, back and forth. He has really good days and some not so great days, but you look at the numbers, they're definitely there and he's filled a position um and done just fine. My defensive player of the year was Juan Soto. Kind of the easy, easy pick, um, but there weren't a whole lot of options defensively. Yeah, on this team. So yeah, I'll see. Escobar leads the team in uh, Fangraphs defensive rating. The only two names above him are Trey Turner and Jan Gomes. Of course, not eligible. So Alcides, I think, gave what he was supposed to do. Solid defense. You, he didn't cost you too many games. And mm-hmm. I think that's important, especially at the shortstop situ- uh, position that he had to Absolutely. play on for the last two uh, 
years of the uh, two months of the season. Um, others of note, short sample size, but really like what I saw from K. Bear Ruiz behind the plate, mm-hmm. super athletic. Um, Andrew Stevenson, the few times he was in the outfield, he's obviously a plus defender with his speed. Um, arm, could maybe work on his arm a little bit, but you know, with his speed, he, he, he covers a lot of ground out there. Surprisingly, I mean, let's not forget, Victor Robles was not sent down for his defense. Victor right. Robles had quality defense all year long. It, he got sent down because of his bat. So he deserves credit and recognition for the defense that he uh, played out in center field. And then also, surprisingly, Ryan Zerman. I mean, he did not play a lot of games. Yeah, Ryan Zerman was going to be my second, probably. Yeah, Ryan Zerman at first base. That is, he's your best defensive first baseman. Josh Bell deserves credit because he did improve a lot over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. But Ryan Zerman, you knew. Um, that he was going to catch every ball thrown to him. He was going to make a lot of stops. He's quick with that glove, even at his age. Um, so he deserves credit, too, for his defense. Yep. Who? What What next? Bravo. Rookie of the year? Rookie of the year. It's This, <laughs> this a is a lot of options. Tough. but oh, yeah. A lot of options, but the problem is small sample, sample sizes. Size. Right. I'm going to go with, speaking of a small sample size, I'm going to go with Caber Ruiz. That's mine as well. Yeah. Again, small sample size, mm-hmm. but you, you have to like what you've seen from him. And he made improvements even just in the small time he was there. You know, he came, he was kind of struggling. He was swinging at a ton of really bad pitches. Um, and But you've been able to see the adjustments throughout his short time with the Nationals. His swinging strike percentage has gone down almost 4%. His contact rate has gone up 8%. Uh, so he's swinging at better pitches, making better contact. Um, and then, of course, his, his defense has been, I think, kind of surprised people a little bit. Um, obviously, he's a catcher, and he, he's a good catcher. Um, but, you know, that was kind of his bat was there, but he could improve behind the plate. And almost people were saying Riley Adams might be a little bit better defensively, um, but he's done just fine. And I, that's where that's going to go to be my rookie of the year. He had a stellar outing the other day when he, I think he threw out two base runners over, over the weekend mm-hmm. in Cincinnati um, defensive wise. So, yeah, I think he's a lot more athletic than we originally thought coming over from the Dodgers. Uh, especially behind the plate, so his defense has been a pleasant surprise. The offense came along. Um, he has worked his way back up to now uh, basically a one-to-one walk-to-strikeout ratio. He worked his average up to 284, which if you take that over the course of a season, you'll take that from your catcher. Yeah. Um, that's really good for anyone not named Buster Posey. Um, he's got now five extra base hits. I think a majority of those coming over the past like week or so. So we're starting to get along. I mean, it's a shame that it's now at the end of the season, but you can see that he is quick to adjust to the major league level and the speed of the game up here, both behind the plate and at the plate um, as a hitter. So, yeah, Caber Ruiz is my rookie of the year. You have the Nationals got their guy, their top prospect. Um, you know, it, of course, was sad to see Max and Trey go to the Dodgers, but the Nationals got a really good one back. And then my runner-up would be another guy they got back would be Josiah Gray. ERA isn't where you would want it to be, but he has shown really good stuff um, over the course of his starts and taking the ball every fifth day. I mean, we knew the Nationals were going to make him a starter and let him pitch, and he's pitched really well um, and finally has had back-to-back wins. He finally got his first major league win two in a row, and uh, he's looked really strong on the mound as well. 
Okay, and, and my runner-up was going to be Trace Barrera. Ooh, who, he's on know, my list too. Yeah, was kind of also a, a pleasant surprise for the Nationals this year. It was exciting <clears> to kind of see him up and being forced to catch every day uh, there for a little bit before, of course, the trade deadline. He had similar offensive numbers and 20 more plate appearances than Caber Ruiz. I think Caber Ruiz, the thing is, is to be traded, to come in, be a rookie, and learn this whole new pitching staff yeah. and adjust so quickly to the major league level um, w- was key. Key, and I think that's what makes the difference. And, and also, don't forget, Trace Barrera was called upon in an emergency situation. Right. Like the Nationals he needed him, to, yeah. and he played well. And so he wasn't the reason they were losing games because they had to play a rookie at catcher. You know, mm-hmm. he played really well. Um, we talked. If, if we're going to pick a pitcher, we're going to go Mason Thompson. We talked about him a little bit already. Oh, we touched on Riley Adams. He deserves some recognition too for what he's done coming over um, at the trade deadline. Sneaky rookie dimension. Yadiel Hernandez is technically still a rookie. Really? Yeah. Oh, his, yes, he is. His yep. rookie status is not up until the end of the season. So he has He's to be up there. there. Yep. Nine home runs, hitting 275, um, you know, a lot of strikeouts, 32 RBIs, but he's played 110 games um, and over 260 at bats. So technically still a rookie. You wouldn't think mm-hmm. of it, but he is, and he and he needs to be a part of the conversation because he's he's been there. He's been available all season long, and um, he, he's played – Pretty well when called upon. Yeah, these guys, I mean, and I, I also, I don't know why I was thinking for a second when you're looking at these these qualifications for a rookie, I was like, Luis Garcia? And then you forget just how many games he's played up at the major yeah, league level. Barely 100. Yeah. Um, and same with Carter Keebum. Uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, biggest surprise. This can be both good and bad. Oh, okay. So mine was good, and I went with Lane Thomas, kind of. Mine was too. The obvious, yeah. yeah. You got to go I ahead mean, with Lane. He's just come up and been absolutely on fire uh, uh, since he's been here. Every game, he just had a big hit um, in what's today, Friday and Wednesday's game, even though it didn't end up mattering and you kind of forget about it. Um, but he's just been absolutely on fire since he's came here. He's hitting 285 on the season with a 377 on-base percentage in 892 OPS. Um, he's kind of, other than Juan Soto, been the big spark um, and a pleasant surprise in a trade that they didn't think was going to be, I think, this rewarding. <laughs> I, I think that's why he's the biggest surprise is because you, you get a player back for John Lester. Right. You're you're like, okay, who is this guy? How good can he be? And now he's your leadoff getter. And, and, the, and playing solid defense in the outfield. Right, and potentially going to start there. Next year. Next year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all the eyes, of course, were on that trade with the Dodgers. You're getting Cabo Ruiz, the now the number one prospect in your system. Um, and, and you kind of – he just went under the radar until he started playing. Of course, once they sit Victor Robles down, he's starting in center field every day. And he's definitely been a, a pleasant surprise. For me, the biggest surprise um, of this season. Not only did they send Victor – I mean, Lane Thomas beat out the former number one overall prospect for this team. True. To be the leadoff hitter and center yep. fielder, I mean that's and he came over for. I mean, we thought everyone <laughs> thought he was going to be just a fringe Triple A right. major league player, so add some outfield depth. He's probably going to be your open. He's going to be the first national to take an at bat next year, right. barring and, an injury. Right, and from what you saw in his in his time in the big leagues with St. Louis, you know, y- you didn't know what to expect, and you certainly didn't expect this. And maybe it's going to be one of those situations where you just need a change of scenery yeah. um, to get it right. We knew the speed was there. He's flashed that a lot. 
we didn't know the the bat was there at the you know the power he's hit a couple home runs he's also been hitting for average getting on base the on base percentage and we didn't know the arm was there too he's That's flashed big, yeah. the arm really well in center field so biggest surprise easily Lane Thomas um, honorable mentions talked about Espino just being able to take the ball in, in any role. Um, Yadiel Hernandez, you know, a guy that was a good story last year, now is an everyday starter and major contributor. Um, Alcides Escobar, a AAA player you traded for at, in the beginning of July, then he's now your everyday shortstop. Um, and, and Riley Adams, you know, a guy that you traded for at the deadline too, a catcher you thought was just an added depth piece, but now he's your backup catcher. And I'll say probably the most recent surprise, Josh Rogers, you could throw yeah, in oh there Oh, yeah, too. absolutely. Good one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a guy that was cast off by the Orioles, the Nationals signed him to a Triple A contract, and then he works his way up to the major league uh, roster and has an ERA under three over, I think it's four or five starts. Yep. Um, so good for him. The bad. There's are a lot of. Well, let's <laughs> talk about Josh Rogers because now we got his highlights up. I mean, another one of those like feel good stories. And again, like you say about Lane Thomas, maybe he just needed a change of scenery. And, and he kind of has mentioned that a little bit. You know, not trash talking the Orioles. He just said, you know, I appreciate the opportunity and the time they gave me. Um, uh, but, you know, I, maybe I just needed a change of scenery and an opportunity elsewhere. And that's what he got in D.C. He pitched also surprising because he pitched decently, not great at Rochester, and then got the call up and has been pitching great with the Nationals. Right. And usually it's kind, kind of, of the opposite. Yeah. But I guess he kind of he was ready. It was just, it was showtime. He put him on this stage. And he, he, he's done pretty well. Obviously, low leverage outings, yeah. but still still you have to like what you see and who knows yeah just like you mentioned he comes here he might be a completely different talent than of course obviously baltimore evaluated him at all right the bad uh, we, i mean it's we got there's got to be some bad surprises it was a tough year we can't yep. gotta be fair can't be completely positive all the time i don't if know if you need to think i've I got mine I, well i was gonna say i don't know if this is necessary no, I'm going to say this is still a surprise, is Patrick Corbin yeah. having another bad year. I, Given the contract, given what you expected out of him, um, for him to have been this bad, obviously, he's kind of turned turned it around towards the end. Not turned it around. Made improvements towards the end of the season. Um, it still has to be a surprise that this player, I mean, that this guy who was going to be your number three, a big, big number three, um, has been this bad. Uh, historically, unfortunately for Patrick, the worst, one of the worst seasons a starting pitcher has ever had wearing a Nationals uniform. Not a good look for him, a guy that you're, um, you know, attributing a lot of money to, committing a lot of money to, a couple year, more years to. He's only halfway through his contract. He's not going anywhere. He did not make himself very viable in a trade. Um, and the Nationals can't just cut that money loose. I mean, he's going to have to make starts next year. Right. If Strasburg's not ready to go, Patrick Corbin could be your opening day starter next year. Um, so, yeah, that was a huge surprise. I mentioned Strasburg. That's a big surprise. Is it, though, doing an injury? You don't think so? I, I mean, I think this may be more so for Corbin than, than Stras. Like, kind of attributed struggles last year to the shortened season. The building up in spring training and then the shutting down for a couple months. Mm -hmm. We said the same thing about Strasburg. Strasburg obviously has a longer history of injury, so maybe right. it's not a surprise. But it's not a surprise that he got hurt. It's a surprise that he had to be shut down for the entire season early on in the season. 
Yeah, is that actually, fair to say? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Going into this season, I think it's not that you, you'd be surprised if you had, you know, if you had to bet, if you had to bet, I would definitely bet that Steven Strasburg gets hurt because yeah. he's been hurt literally every season of his yeah. entire career. But even the good ones. Yeah, exactly. Even the good ones. Um, but he's always come back or come up in, in the big moments or the big times or the big games. Um, this year, I think, yeah, it, it is surprising. You wouldn't have predicted that he was going to go out so early and be a non-factor of yeah. this team. You would have thought that you would have gotten at least 18, 20 starts from him and he would make two IL stints um, at some point during the season. But, but, you know, if those 20 starts are, are great, you would take that. And to hit, what, he made five starts this year, I think it was? Yeah. same, Something yeah, like that? maybe a little so, bit less. Uh, that that was a big surprise and unfortunate for him. And then we talked about Robles. That was a huge surprise. We thought this would be a breakout year for him. Obviously not the case. Will Harris dealing with another injury. That was bad. Um, unfortunate for him. Um, hopefully his – I mean, that was a scary health injury for him. Hopefully – health issue, I should say. Hopefully he's okay health-wise. But hopefully, also hopefully this isn't the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tanner Rainey was a surprise too. Being the best pitcher last year – uh, and then yeah, to, to, a good one. to being one of the worst in the bullpen this right. year and, and being sent down at some point. Yeah, you really hope that he, he has a completely <laughs> different 2022. I feel so weird saying 2022. 20, yeah. um, but you hope he can step up because he was a huge name coming into the season. All we really talked about from this bullpen was, I mean, obviously Hudson in hand, but outside of that was Tanner Rainey. Um, and, yeah, that was a big disappointment. Last one. This is a this is a this is a good one to end on. Most improved. Okay, I like this. This is like uh, you know, did you do swim team? No, I didn't. Uh, it's like we handing out like the paper plate awards. Oh yeah, yeah. I did that on my dance team. Oh okay, yep. dance team. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah, so like most improved, improved this year. <laughs> um, I wanted to say Carter Keepin for this, mm. um, because you you can literally when you I mean well he only had one way to go pretty much yeah, uh, yeah. especially at the plate um, and you could see the improvements that he made I yeah. mean he significantly improved and over like August that really good month he was hitting 289 yeah um, he's just hit a really bad slump here lately really the entire last month of the season has been really bad for him um, and then I was like okay like you can see the improvements there and then you look at his defensive numbers mm-hmm. and they are really really not so good. He went from four defensive run saves in 2020 to minus 7 Oof. in 2021, minus 13 outs above average. Yikes. Not looking too good for Carter Keepum. So after I saw that, I, I couldn't say Carter Keepum. Is that he's not yours? No, no, okay. he did not make my list. And I, I thought that would be a good kind of like a <laughs> you try. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna say at least improved. Yeah, he did improve. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's the, improved did, though. He, at least improved. At least improved. That's at good. At least he improved somewhat. Um, but mine is Josh Bell. Josh Bell. Um, is that yours too? No, no, that's oh, a good okay. one too. Though. <laughs> um, just throughout the course of this season, he has improved significantly. I mean, if you remember at the beginning of the season, we were talking about where is this power? Uh, can you even play him every day and start him over Ryan Zimmerman at this point? He made significant strides throughout the season and, of course, from last year. I mean, all of his offensive numbers have improved from last year. His OPS improved from 669 in 2020 to 814 this year. Um, And I know the defense was kind of a concern, but he's done well defensively. Um, He has the second most outs above average behind Soto on the team. Uh, He's tied with Soto in defensive runs saved. 
Uh, so, and you, you were seeing him in the outfield now, which I didn't think we expected at the beginning of the season, of course, mm-hmm. uh, like a lot of other things. But I think Josh Bell, just from the start of the season to now, but certainly from last year until now, they've kind of, they're seeing a lot more of what they wanted out of him. I like that, taking the micro approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one, especially when you look at his entire season and his contributed in such a big way as you know, the number four hitter giving protection to Juan Soto, which he sorely needs. Um, yeah, so Josh Bell is a great one. For me, I'll, I'll take a macro approach, and okay. I've got two names. And, you know, I don't think they're stretches. The numbers aren't beautiful, but it's more of the process, I think, for me, for these two guys. And that's Austin Voth and Eric Fetty. I, I think okay. that they both found their roles, and they were both allowed to fully embrace each of their roles. Fetty as a starter – both as a relief pitcher, um, both I think only made one start the entire year, and he only went two innings. So he's probably opening that game, whatever. It was. Oh, you know what? It was when he got hit in the eye. That's what it was. Uh, oh, right. In uh, in Philly, um, so um, both ERAs over five. Uh, Fetty was five twenty six. Voth was five sixty three and forty seven relief appearances. Again, not the most eye popping numbers. But you could argue that they're ugly numbers. But we've talked about. I mean, every year. Going into Joe Ross, Austin Voth, Eric Fetty, who's going to take over that for the starter spot? And we've said, well, maybe one of them should just fully commit to the bullpen and make this a little easier. We did that this year. Voth committed to the bullpen. He pitched well in spots. He obviously ran into some trouble. That might be also a case where, like we talked about earlier, he was pitching out of position in terms of mm-hmm. situations he normally wouldn't pitch in. Uh, there were times where he was being used a lot, maybe some fatigue in his arm. Um, and then Fetty... Fetty had a lot, not a, I shouldn't say a lot, but a couple of really good outings. I think about that outing in Arizona, um, a couple of outings later, not to mention he dealt with a COVID issue in the middle of the season. So I think most these guys are the most improved because they have solidified themselves in their roles on this team. Fetty's going to be in the rotation next year, um, and both is going to be in the bullpen, assuming they don't need to go you know, an emergency start or something like that. Um, and I think that's a big step for both of them in their careers. I think that's fair. I like that. I like that, those takes. So you think that Fetty, well, I mean, I guess it's so tough given the circumstances of this rotation moving forward, but you think he's a starter? Yeah, I think Fetty's better suited as a starter. Both is better suited as a bullpen arm, long reliever, mm, whatever. whatever. Mat, mat, I don't know if he's a matchup guy yet, but whatever it may be. Right. I, I just like because like it was always a conversation for so many years. Oh, yeah. Now it's over. We know what they're going to be. We we know and that's an improvement. Certainly, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And and I mean, now now I think it's we can set realistic expectations for both of them too because you know if we're ta- we trying to preview Austin both season. It's like well, how many starts is he going to get versus how many times he's going to come out of the bullpen? Well, that, what can you realistically expect? Right. And even when we're talking about the best, we were talking about the best starter. It's kind of tough because those. I mean. Paulo Espino or Eric Fetty, we didn't necessarily know they were going to be starters yeah. this season. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's kind of hard to set expectations mm-hmm. um, given the circumstances. And I know uh, David Martinez has mentioned multiple times he's been happy with the way they've pitched. Again, the numbers aren't flashy, but I, I think they've done their job admirably um, and setting themselves up for even more success hopefully next year. I mean, next year's going to be a struggle too. We know that, but hopefully 
those guys can take another step forward in becoming solid major leaguers because this team's surely going to need that. And that's why you have to watch because you you kind of go back and you look at these numbers and you're like, oh, not as good as I kind of anticipated. But if you're watching day in and day out, you see these improvements. You see these guys finally fitting into their roles. um, And you can only get that by watching the game, you know? So it's something for fans to look forward to, especially next year when they might be put to a couple tests. Speaking of watching the game, this weekend is your last chance to watch Nationals baseball for the 2021 season. All three games are on Masson Friday night at 7, Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock, and of course the Universal start on Sunday at 3 o'clock at Nationals Park. All on Masson, Boston Red Sox, Washington Nationals. Hopefully you can get a chance to go out to the Paul Park for the last time before the offseason. This is going to be the last time to see baseball, um, Nationals baseball, until uh, next February. So if you have the opportunity, go out, see the guys. Uh, the Nationals do a great job on the last day of the season, the last home game of the season, um, saluting the fans. So that should be a fun spectacle. Um, hopefully the weather holds up, too. I think, so, of course, Sunday might rain all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, tune in. tomorrow. Support the guys. They've, they've grinded all year long, um, you know, and they, they know the support you guys have been giving them, so they really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we can celebrate the year one last time down on South Capitol Street. Um, big shout-out to Brendan Mortensen for working behind the scenes and um, producing the show. At Amy Jennings News for Amy, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Be sure to catch the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And check us live every week throughout the course of the offseason on Mass and National's Facebook page and YouTube channel. We'll be here all offseason long giving you the Nationals baseball fix that you need. We need to get out of here. We need to get to College Park. Uh, Go Terps. Have a good weekend, everybody, and uh, go Nets.